awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Did you, um, did you bring a Bible with you today? Would you do me a favor and hold it up in the air? Whether it's electronic or it's physical, a physical paper Bible, uh, hold it up in the air with me today. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do everything. By his spirit, this is God speaking to me. All right, good. All right, if you'd open that Bible up to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to continue our series on the subject of authority. Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're very familiar with that. If God is, which we believe, the creator of the heavens and earth, then God is the owner, has ownership of the heavens and the earth and has all authority over the heavens and the earth. He then created man. And when he created man, he gave man authority on the earth. He gave Adam authority. He gave Adam two jobs, and that those two jobs were to tend the earth and to keep it, protect it. So obviously there was the inclination on the earth that there were things that did not belong or would try to come into the earth that did not belong here, or he wouldn't have said keep it. Keep it means protect it. So God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, gives them the job of tending, taking care of, and protecting what has been given to them. And so basically what God has done is handed all authority to Adam and Eve. What we understand about authority, and this is very, very important for you to recognize this, is that authority is transferable. Authority is transferable. When it is transferable, excuse me, the authority still belongs to the one that transfers it, but that they have transferred it to someone else. When you have the power of attorney, someone has given you the authority to sign in their behalf. They've given you, it, it doesn't mean that they don't have authority, it means that they have transferred that authority to you. To understand authority, we have to understand the complete aspect of that. If we don't get that, we miss out on all of the opportunity that's available for you and I with the authority of the believer. So God gives it to Adam. He gives it to Eve, and he says, guard the garden and keep it. Just a little bit later, the serpent shows up. And the serpent begins to talk to Adam and Eve about not leaning on God any longer or God's direction, but on leaning on their own direction and on his direction. We talked about out of Romans a couple of weeks ago, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, that whatever you yield to, whatever you yield yourself to, you become like. You, whatever uh, the book of um, uh, Proverbs, I believe it is, says, that you become like the idols you worship. You become like the things that mean a lot to you that you worship in your life, you become like, okay? You become like. It doesn't take long. You know, if you, if you worship football, it doesn't take long before whatever day your football thing is on becomes the focus of your day, right? 
So if you are, and I'm not picking on any teams here, if you're a, let's say you're a, a Michigan State fan, then you know the schedule, you know when the game's on, you got your Michigan State shirt that you wear, you got a Michigan State coffee cup, and I'm not, look, I don't care, I don't, it's, that. That's great. I got a. I love the Steelers. I got a Steelers shirt. I got a. You know. I mean. I love Ohio State. I got all kinds of Ohio State stuff. But Ohio State isn't what I worship. Amen. And let me tell you how much you can tell you worship something when they lose. I expected a better, better amen on that. See, so be careful what you worship. Because you become like that, it begins to control your life, begins to take over parts and aspects of your life. So, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I can guarantee in the state of Michigan that when Michigan and Ohio State play football, at least half the state is going to be depressed. Huh? And when it's Ohio State and Michigan, all of Ohio will be rejoicing and all of Michigan. No, no, I'm just, I'm sorry. You know, here's, here's the thing that we've got to always keep in perspective, and I'm using football as an example, but one thing we've always got to keep in perspective, God doesn't care about football games. He don't care about basketball games. I mean, your, your favorite thing could have a bad season. And you know what? We, we have to realize that things can really get in and get control of our lives, that all the emphasis of our life becomes about that. Your grandchildren can become an idol. Your kids can become an idol. And you put all your time and energy into, you know, somehow trying and you're look, you're going to be sorely disappointed if you put all your time and energy and expect some kind of a result back out of that. Especially it's a um, it's a long-term result. You're not going to get a short-term result with children. You got to be in that for the long haul. You say, "Well, how long's the long haul till you're dead?" That's how long that haul is. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you right now. Whatever you stand beside, you become like. So, you know, it's like we talk about, you know, the, the old southern uh, phrase that you hang around a slippery creek bank, you're going to slip in eventually. You can't help it. It's going to happen. Adam and Eve started listening to the serpent, and that's when all the trouble began. They began to lean to something else. And so the serpent begins to tell them, God didn't mean that. God didn't say that. That's not what God meant by all of that. And all of this discussion, that, that they should have at that point changed channels, shut it off, clear the, clear the tree, get out. You're not welcome here. You're saying something contrary to what God has said. See, the problem, and, and you have to look at this in the, in the, through Genesis, but as you look at this with Eve, you know, the serpent was so subtle that the way that he proposed to Eve was, is that he said that did God really say that the day that you touch the tree, you will die? God never said if you touch the tree. God said if you eat from the tree. But see, what happened was, is that Eve touched the tree and didn't die. So then she took the next step. See, that's how we are in our lives with sin, isn't it? It's not the first step that gets us into trouble. It's the second step. But really, if we think about it, it's the first step that started us down the wrong road. 
happens. When we think we got control over something in our life, if we take it away from God, is when we're the most vulnerable. When we're the most vulnerable. So what do Adam and Eve do? They take that which God has transferred to them, all authority in the earth. People say, well, why didn't God just stop it? Because he gave them the authority. I mean, what good is it to give authority if when people aren't, that you're going to keep taking that authority away? You haven't empowered anybody. Right? Some of you have worked in environments that have been like that. They tell you this is your area, but then they keep coming back in and taking it away from you. How does that make you feel? It's not your area. You're not really in charge. You really don't have authority in that. You have, and that's what we call empowerment. Empowerment is, is, is that you have been propelled to do this. Go do it. You've got the power to do it. You're blessed to do it. You're in charge of it. Make it happen. Deal with it. God did that with Adam and Eve. See, so he transferred the authority, not ownership. Not ownership. He transferred the authority to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, because they leaned to what the adversary said in the the serpent in the tree, they transferred the authority to the serpent. Now, you see that in the book of Luke, if you want to turn there with me real quick. Luke chapter um, uh, chapter 4, and uh, we see how that authority that the adversary... Satan, while he's talking to Jesus uh, during the time of um, temptation, he says this. And the devil said to Jesus, all this power, the word power there is authority, okay? All this power will I give you. Notice he didn't say, I'll give you all the earth. He couldn't give all the earth to Jesus because he doesn't own all the earth. You can't give what you don't own. Are you all with me? So he couldn't give him ownership, but he says, I can give you all the authority. And notice the next line here. He says, I can give you that authority uh, and all all this power will I give you and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me. Who delivered it? Who handed it over to him? Adam did. Adam, who was told to not do that, did that. He handed that authority over. He said, it's all been delivered to me. And now look at the next part. He says, and to whoever I will, I can give it. So see, authority is transferable. Authority is transferable. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, has anybody here ever watched Andy Griffith? Okay. Has anybody under 30 watched Andy Griffith? you have, why, raise your hand. Because I know sometimes I tell stories that are like old person's story, old person's story. But uh, Andy Griffith has this one, there, there's one show, and you've probably seen it, where these two guys are selling vegetables in town. And they're big guys. I mean, they're real big guys. And so they stand out and they're selling their vegetables and they have no license to sell. And it actually, they're not allowed to have peddlers in the town. Well, Barney comes out of the restaurant, and he sees him over there, and he's the deputy uh, under the sheriff, uh, Andy Griffith. And so Barney comes out, and he's just a scrawny, skinny little guy. Um, and uh, he comes out, and he sees him over there, so he drives the car over to where their vegetable truck is. And he says, you guys can't be here. And they said, well, why not? Because there is an ordinance, there is a law that says that you cannot do what you're doing here. And they said, well, who's going to stop us? He says, well, I'm going to stop you. 
And then at that point, they begin to move in on him. And they're big guys, and he's a little guy. So they move in on him, and they begin to stand over top of him, and he gets scared. And so they begin to taunt him then, and they chase him off, and he gets in his car, and he drives away. And he's dealing with this very uh, inadequate feeling that I'm not big enough, I'm not strong enough to be able to do what needed to be done, and, uh, and here I am, and, I, and he doesn't even want to tell the sheriff about it, because if he tells the, the you know, he's, the sheriff has to needle him to get him to tell him, and here's, here's, this is so powerful. When Andy Griffith, the sheriff, finds out, he doesn't go, I'll go take care of this. He says, well, you're going to have to deal with this because you're the one that has the authority. Now, Andy has the authority too, but he has deputized this guy to do a job. And so the whole, it's a half hour show, but, but actually the whole show is about Barney trying to figure out how he can talk to these guys. And then he comes to this awareness, okay? And the awareness is, is that he realized that it's not him that's standing up to these two big guys, but it is the state of North Carolina that he represents that is standing up to these two guys. And when he walks up to them, they say, well, we're going to pound you into the ground. He says, you know what? You can pound me into the ground, but do you see this badge right here? This badge means that all of this state stands behind me. All the sheriff's department, all the police departments, the state departments, they all stand behind this. So you can beat on me, but when you do that, realize you will bring the wrath of all of them down upon you. And all of a sudden, you saw these two guys start backing up. And they get in their truck, and they drive away, and Barney, of course, you know, if you know his story, he's now all arrogant and proud because he was able to do that, okay? The church is like Barney Fife. We start to step out to do something that we're deputized to do. And there's the two big devils standing right in front of us. You can't do that. You can't tell us what to do. You can't tell us to get out of here. You can't take authority over. Who do you think you are? And here's the church going, well, they look bigger. They look stronger. I guess I, well... And we get in our car and we drive way back to our churches and have holy huddles. You telling, are you telling, listen, let, let me ask you a question. Are you telling me that you don't think that the world is trying to shut the church up today? Let's just stay away from all issues. I'm not talking about any particular issue, but you don't think, do you think that the media wants to hear what the church has to say? They don't even cover what the church says. They'll cover every other devil, but they don't want to cover what we have to say because, because listen, because if, if, if they because they want us to be in, because the world wants us to be intimidated, intimidated, excuse me, just like those two big guys. Who do you think you are? 
Who do you think you are saying you have authority? You have no authority. We're bigger than you. We're strong. Now, were they bigger? Were they stronger? Sure, they were by physical example. But remember, the enemy, your adversary, only has one power, and that is the power to deceive. That's it. You read Revelation. The devil has no real power except to deceive the nations. To deceive the nations. And the way that he deceives is through fear. And God did not create you to be afraid in any way, in any capacity. You know, there, there is a fear of God, but that's an awe and reverence and a respect. That's, you know, that's like you and I, you know, I mean, I don't fear electricity, but I do have an awe of it. Right? When I handle it, I handle it very carefully. I don't just mess around. I had to change up some things in my box at home. Man, I made sure I had long pliers and I was grounded and I'm very cautious about how I'm doing everything and I'm double checking everything I'm doing. Why? Not because I'm not because because I respect the power that exists in those lines and I know that if that power now watch this if that power is handled inappropriately you die or you get bit really bad I mean Kevin's sitting over here he's told me stories about getting knocked to the ground working with electricity sometimes I've had my brother-in-law he works he works with um, he's an electrician a, a contractor and he's actually had pieces of his equipment, you know, metal that he's been using actually blow up in his hands. Because So if you don't respect the power that exists inside that line, even though you can't see it, it could hurt you. Now, I don't live my life in fear of it, but when I handle it, I handle it with wisdom. Amen? I handle it with wisdom. So here God gives this authority to man. Man, in turn, hands that authority because he he is not listening to the words of God. He begins to listen to what the serpent had to say. The devil said, hands the authority over. We see that authority has been transferred. But when Jesus came, he came to take the authority back from the devil. He took it back. Now I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 28 with me. Matthew chapter 28. You know, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says this as you're turning to Matthew. My children suffer for a lack of knowledge, right? My children suffer for a lack of knowledge or because they reject knowledge. So two things that cause us to suffer in our lives. We don't know, or we do know, and we don't care. We know, we don't know, we know, and we don't care. So those two things, God says, that's why my children suffer. That's why they they go through difficulty. And just going back to the electrical idea. Look, if you know there's power in the line, then you better take care of the way you handle the power. Or it will hurt you. The same power that could provide and do blessing and help you and provide light in your home and turn your microwave on and run your refrigerator and freezer and keep your house warm is the same power that could kill you right there on the spot. But it's all determined on how you handle the power. 
So if you know, now that'd be like today, you say, well, I know that's what pastor said, but you run home and open up your square D box, put your finger in there and grab hold of one of one of the wires. I'm going to just show him how wrong he was, or I'm going to show him that that, that doesn't work all the time, or I'm just going to, you know, I don't care what he said. He's just the preacher. He was just preaching. And while I'm having your funeral here, I will tell everyone what a ding-dong you were when you were warned. But see, I, I'm just kidding, but, but, but kind of. But <laughs> you got it, yeah. <laughs> but, see, that's, but see what the enemy does? He steps in. And so what he wants to do is to pervert your thinking about what God has said. So there are people that look at God as a killer and a murderer and a destroyer. And I'm going to tell you that God is not a murderer or destroyer. He's not violating his own commandments. But what's happening is that when people in the earth do not handle the covenant the way that he established the covenant, it costs them everything. But on the other hand, Those who handle the covenant and walk according to the light and according to the word are experiencing the goodness of that covenant. It's the same power, isn't it? Listen to this. This is what God told told Moses in Deuteronomy. He says, I lay before you life and death. I lay before you blessing and cursing, okay? Now, he finishes it like this. Choose life. How hard is that? Right? I, I lay, look, I lay before you the benefits of electricity, and I lay before you the dangers of electricity. My recommendation is you choose the benefits of electricity than the dangers. But you choose but the power doesn't change. God doesn't change. I hope you see that this morning. God does not change. He never has changed. God does not change. He doesn't change his mind. He, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is. And so the power stays exactly the same. It's the covenant handler or the handler that dictates the outcome. Now, here we are on earth we're saying that God is dictating the outcome. And what God is saying is, look, if I lay before you blessing and cursing and tell you to choose blessing over cursing, then what I'm telling you is if you operate according to the instructions, you will only experience blessing, not cursing. Somebody ought to be shouting real good right now. And we got this whole big instruction book here that tells us how to handle the electrical power or how to handle the power of God in our lives and how to walk according to his light and how to walk according to his authority. Authority is transferable. So here we are in this circumstance where God has transferred his authority to Adam. Adam transfers his authority to the serpent. Jesus comes back and becomes what's called the last Adam. You can study this in the book of Romans. He becomes that last Adam. And as the last Adam, he goes, he does what Adam could not do, and that is that he obeys completely the Father's will in all things. He walks according to the truth 
in all things because he is the truth. And so as he walks according to that truth and as he's walking and established in that truth, he, he takes the penalty and the burden, who, which he does not deserve in any way, he takes the penalty and the burden for the first Adam. What great love God has for mankind. I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have just said, look, guys, you're handling the power the wrong way, so you're stuck with handling power. God says, you know, God says, look, what I will do is I will come and I will bear the penalty of your sin and transgression so that I can get the authority back from the one that you handed it over to. Glory. So he comes, pays the ultimate sacrifice with his own life, and pays for the sin of Adam. That's what he hung on the tree for. The sin of mankind hangs on the tree, takes the sin upon himself. The Bible tells us that he became sin for him who, or he he became sin who knew no sin, that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now what he has done is he's become the sin sacrifice. And it could never have been a goat or a lamb or a bull. It had to be, listen to this, because what it had to be is it had to be someone that was just like Adam, without sin. It had to be Adam without sin. Because it was an Adam without sin that decided to sin. Are you with me? So here he is, he decides that he will pay the price for the Adam who was without sin, who sinned. He'll become the last Adam who is without sin and has committed no sin, but will now pay for the sin that the first Adam committed. When that happened, the enemy had to give back all authority because someone who is righteous and has not committed any sin has now entered into the earth. This is one of the things, and I'll, I'll, one of these weeks, because uh, I'm going to stay on this series for a while. Um, really, the devil has no authority over flesh. Do you know why? Because he doesn't have any flesh. The only way the devil can influence is through fear. Now, he can get your flesh to do weird stuff. He can tempt you and deceive you and get you to you know, to get into trouble, but he cannot make you do anything. The devil, you know, I know Flip Wilson, there I go dating myself again. But Geraldine used to say, not Geraldine Larson, Geraldine used to say, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil don't make you do nothing. You know why he can't? Because he don't have no authority over flesh, except what you give him. Now he'll tempt you, he'll push you, he'll deceive you, he'll lie to you, but he has no real authority because he don't have a body. And I don't have time to get into all the details of that, but that's a powerful teaching uh, in and of itself. So then we come to Matthew. Here's Jesus standing with his disciples. Oh man. Matthew 28. And as he's talking to them, he's already paid the price. He's already been to the cross. He's already done the suffering. Matthew chapter 28, he says to them in verse 19, or excuse me, verse 18. And Jesus came and he spoke with them saying, all. Everybody say all. All. How much is all? And you all didn't say all. Everybody say all. all. All right, all. So when we say all, we don't mean a detergent. We're talking about, we're talking about everything. So Here's what Jesus is saying. All authority is given unto me 
in heaven and in earth. Remember, authority is transferable. See, when when he paid the price that the first Adam committed, the devil knew the lease was up. And when he knew the lease was up, he had to give the authority back. He knew he had to give it back. That's why it says he spoiled in Colossians. He spoiled principalities and powers when he made a public show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. That At that point when he bore all of that and he screamed out, it is finished, he now has paid the complete absolute penalty for the first Adam. And so when he did that, now as the righteous last Adam, he can walk over to the adversary and say, all authority is now given to me. Now, if you believe it's all authority, then you believe that every last bit of authority that existed in heaven and on earth is now in the hands of Jesus. And you know what's really cool about this, and and like I said, you know, because we live in the earth, we're bound to this earth. So physically, we still deal with the ramifications of this earth and the sin that's been committed into this earth. The earth has not been redeemed. So let's understand that. You've been redeemed. The earth is not, where you live has not been redeemed. So this is not what God created. We've done it. We, and I'm not a tree hugger, so don't think that's where I'm going with this, all right? But I love my trees. But, but here's the thing. Man, because of his sin, affected the earth. You know, at one point, I mean, it's a pretty well understood scientific thing that all the continents were together. I mean, you can look at the continents, how they piece together. There's one big land mass and that the earth, and if you see pictures of the earth now, how, it, how, how it's uh, shaped, it, it is not the way that it, because the waters have now changed the earth. Why are the waters different on the earth today than they were when God created them? Because man sinned against God and the flood came. The power that God gave to mankind on the earth, man corrupted it. And by not handling it wisely, the earth broke forth from below and above and flooded the earth. And I know people say, well, God killed all those people. No, they killed themselves. You know, if, if I walk over and grab a live wire, did the, did the live wire kill me or did I kill myself? If I understood fully what was in the live wire and I grabbed it, then that live wire did not kill me. My own stupidity killed me. Are you with me right now? So that changed everything on the earth. Now, you know, the earth is going through all of the groanings. Romans 8 tells us about goes through all the pains of the sin of mankind because of the sin that continues to happen on the earth. And so you have like this whole thing that's happening on the earth right now. Um, maybe you've heard about this, this ring of fire that's happening where all of these earthquakes take place. And every time these earthquakes happen, what's taking the big major ones, not only do they cause these huge tsunamis in the earth, but they shift the earth on its axis. The earth was not made to, to be like this. The earth was like this, but now it's like this. And if you take something, I, I'm not a, you know, a physics major here, but if you take something that's supposed to rotate like that and you turn it like that, things are not going to be the same on the earth. 
And the only reason it went from this to this is because of man's sinfulness not handling what was given to them right. A relationship with God. They didn't handle it right. And so they sinned greatly against God. Jesus comes back, and here he is. He says, look, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And what's really awesome, and this is where the resurrection comes into place, because through his death he paid the price for the Adam. But in the resurrection, he shows you and I that, that even death has no authority over you. Now, your physical body that's tied to this earth may die, but death has no right to permanently hold you any longer. And that's why we believe in the second resurrection that's talked about in Scripture. There is a powerful, look, Jesus came back and broke and said, death, hell, and the grave are, are beat, and I beat all of it, okay? So now, the Bible tells you and I can that we don't even have to be afraid of death. So we're all going to die if Jesus tarries, right? But we don't even have to be afraid of it. Why? Because death has no grip and hold on us. Because when we die here and leave this physical place, earth, that we're tied to, that's why we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, from the earth we were created to the earth we shall return. Do you remember those all from funerals, right? So even though my body may return to the earth from which it was created, my spirit will be with God for all eternity. Death cannot, death can't, that's why, that's why Jesus, that's why Corinthians says, hey, death! Where's your sting? Hey, grave. Where's your victory? There is none. You have none. Grave, that you have no, when you bury a loved one that was a believer, that grave has no victory over them. Because they're not there anymore. They're in the heaven in the gates of glory. When they die, they take their last breath here on this earth. There is no sting in that. Because look, what has happened is Jesus come and took the stinger out. The bee is powerless now. It can't sting you. It can't hold you. It can't keep you. It can't send you to hell. It can't keep you away from God. The minute that your life stops here, you're with him immediately. Exactly. That's why so many Christians, before they die, they start seeing into the gates of glory. They start seeing into the, the heaven realm, they start seeing their loved ones that are already there because that veil that has been so thick to our natural eyes begins to thin as we grow closer. As this body begins to give up, that spirit begins to tell us, this is what now you're about to enter into. And they're, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anytime death tries to put fear on, you know, that the enemy comes along and says, oh man, you know, you're going to die. You're going you're gonna to get cancer. You're going to die. You're going to be, look, if that fear tries to get on your life, you just remember that Jesus beat death and is resurrected. And because he beat death and is resurrected, that thing, whatever it is, no matter how much you might have to deal with it in your physical body, it can't rob your spiritual life. All, 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 all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I am with you even always unto the end of the age. I'm not going to leave you. I'll be right with you through all of that. Can I show you one more thing just and then we'll finish up? When Jesus talks about authority, he talks about baptism. Now, baptism has gotten a bad rap in the church, okay? So, you know, people, I talk to people and they're like, well, you know, I've never been baptized, but I believe in Jesus. But let me tell you something about what baptism does for you and I. See, baptism has a lot to do with authority because it's sort of the last thing that you're doing in your, you may have made a public profession of Christ and you're going to heaven if you die. There's no doubt about it. But remember, you're still a physical body tied to a physical earth. Look at Romans chapter 6 with me real quick. Notice Jesus said, all authority is given to me, heaven and earth. Go into all the nations, teach the gospel, baptize them. Why baptize? Why baptize them? Look at uh, Romans chapter 6 with me real quick. Man, I'm having a lot of fun this morning. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6. And verse, uh, I want you to look at verse 1. All right, Romans 6, 1. You got it? Say amen if you got it. All right, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? That's a great question. Or do you not know that as many as us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, watch this now, verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So what does baptism do for me? It's my last thing of saying to this physical body, you no longer have authority. Death no longer in this body has authority over my life. It's my last commitment in my relationship with Christ that death has no hold on me. And what I'm saying is, is that I am saying, look, just as this passage, that we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So here's my question. And I, 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 what if your baptism, what if you being baptized is the last thing that you need to do to really begin to walk in the authority that God has given to you? You say, well, I was baptized, you know, years and years ago. And, hey, good, that's great. And I'm not, re- I'm not talking about being rebaptized. Well, I was sprinkled. Is that really? That, hey, you're fine. You were baptized. But here's the thing. What you and I have to recognize in our lives is we have to be able to say to the adversary when he becomes in and starts talking about your past life, I am baptized. I am baptized. I have been baptized and buried with Jesus Christ. My old life is buried down in that water. And now I have been raised and I refuse. I I absolutely refuse to go back to that death that I once lived. I am going to walk in the newness of life that Jesus Christ has established for me. I've been resurrected out of those waters. And whatever you're talking about is buried under the water. And gone. You tell me, as bad as the devil has fought against communion in the church, and as bad as he's fought against baptism. And I talk to people. I say, "Have you ever been baptized?" No, no, and I and I and I and I don't want to. I I I don't want to be baptized. Why? Well, I I believe. 
Well, good, I'm glad you believe, but why don't you want to be baptized? I mean, why did Jesus say, believe and be baptized? Now, he didn't say you'd go to hell if you weren't baptized. But baptism obviously has some type of spiritual significance to you walking in the authority of the newness of life. And if that's available to you, why wouldn't you want to step through all that Christ has provided instead of a part of it? So look, today I'm just letting you know, if you're feeling, I don't have the water ready, but uh, we got a good mud puddle in the back here. But uh, if you've never been water baptized, you need to get baptized. But don't just do it for some kind of a religious thing. Do it because this is you saying farewell to the old man, hello to the new man. I'm going to walk in the authority that God has given to me. God has given to me. You watch, you, you read in Mark 16, same kind of thing Jesus talks about. Believe, be baptized. All authority is given to me. The authority that ties to the physical life in water baptism. And so I just challenge you. If you haven't, let's do it. Sharon's grandmother, God bless her. She was, how old was she when she passed away, Sharon? She was 83 years old. She, she died from mouth cancer because she liked to rub snuff. Little old grandma always used to have a little tobacco in her mouth, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and she was the sweetest, absolute most wonderful lady, in all, but she was petrified of water. She had a real fear of it. And uh, I was her pastor. And I said to her one time, I said, Grandma, have you ever thought about being water? Oh, honey, I couldn't do that. I'm so afraid of water. I says, well, we can sprinkle you. She said, you could do that? I said, yeah, let us bring water and we'll come and get some people together that can witness it. And we'll just have us a baptism service with you. And so we're sitting in John and Norma's uh, dining room and she's sitting there and, you know, she was one of the, I don't think I ever saw her not in a moo-moo. Is that what, is that what they're called? I don't think I ever saw her. And it always had a little tobacco stain down the front of it, you know. She's sitting there in that in that dining room and we've got some friends there with us from the church and John and Norma are there. And I said, I said to her, grandma, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? She looked up at me and she said, Oh honey, you know that I do. And I mean, the power of God broke out into that dining room, man, 83 years old, almost at the end of her life. And the power of God flooded that room Every last one of us got tears in our, I mean, they're running down our face and I got to keep going, you know, that's a hard thing for preachers. I don't get to do what you do. I have to keep going. You know, we got to keep this thing moving and I'm crying. And, and I says, well, then upon your confession of faith, and I took water and just started pouring it on her head and she's lifting her little old, her little old frail hands up in the air and worshiping Jesus as she's being water baptized and, you know, it wasn't long after that she was gone and went into the, into the gates of glory. But she had determined before she left this life that she was going to make everything, do everything that Jesus had said that she needed to do. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. All authority. You may have been running around like Barney Fife the last week. Sneaking off into your car driving away because those big demons seemed really bad. But it's time to you re- for you to realize that it isn't about your frail little body. It's about the one who sent you. 
It's about the one who's bad just over your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the cross that, that he bore your sins and carried away your diseases. It's about his authority. It's not about your authority. It's about who's back and who's got your back today. Who stands behind you? Who's enforcing the truth? Look, you're not there on your own representation. You're not trying to beat that sickness and disease on your own power. You don't even, you couldn't, look, you couldn't put out nothing. You can't even get rid of a snotty nose on your own. But he can because in him is all authority in heaven and in earth. And he said, now you guys, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. And when you go, I want you to lay hands on the sick and not wondering whether they'll be healed. Tell them you're going to be healed. We're going to lay hands on you and you're going to get well. You're going to overcome this. You're going to live. You're not going to die. You're going to declare the works of your God. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to have the power and the glorious language of heaven. I want, you to, I want you to go in this earth not afraid of that somebody's going to take you out. Hallelujah. Authority that's not used causes abuse. Authority that is not used causes abuse. Are you being abused in your life right now? I'm not talking about just sexual stuff or... You know, I'm talking about, are you walking your life intimidated by what the devil could do? What the devil could do? Because what he could do and what he can do are two different stories. And it's time for us to walk in what God said, not just what we could do, but what we can do. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. I'm done being Barney Fife. Amen. No more Barneys. Praise the Lord. It's time for us to rise up in the authority that God has given to us. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray today in the name, that name that you've given to us. All We know it's not our name, thank God, but it's the name that is now on our life. The newness of life that you've called us to through baptism. And Lord, through that name above every name, Lord God, we thank you today that we will go forward. We'll go through forward dreaming. We'll go forward singing. We'll go forward kneeling. We'll go forward in authority. And Lord God, we'll go forward in the power that you've given to us. I thank you, Father God. That we can, we can, do all things that Christ is strengthening us to do. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that we would walk according to that. Let me ask you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're just not, let's just be very, if you would say today, Pastor, you know what? My life is a, is, has been a mess and it's just been so many different influences and deceptions that have tried to come against me and Man, I hear what you're saying today, but I feel absolutely, you talk about Barney Fife, I'm Barney Fife today, and I just, I'm done. I'm done with all of that, and I'm ready to step away from that. Now look, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and if you just keep the camera on me, not on the congregation, um, I'm going to ask you today, if you say, look, my days of living, I, I, I just want to experience all that Christ has for me in my life. All that he has fought for me to have, I want to experience. And if you'd say that's you, I just want you to lift a hand up to heaven right now. Would you do that? All over the building. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you. And you know, if you're not a Christian, you haven't made a confession of Christ in your life today, this is the day for you to be able to do that. You can make that confession of Christ in your life and walk in that fullness of life. Amen. Just go ahead and keep your hands up if you would. Now, Father, you see these hands that are lifted up, Lord God, these lovely, wonderful people, Lord God. And Lord, they need your help today, Lord God, the revelation of who they are in Jesus Christ. They need to understand, Lord God, what you've done for them. They need the revelation that can only come through you by your spirit, the Father in heaven that brings this revelation. And I thank you, Father. I speak that over their lives right now in the name of Jesus, Father. Lord, for those that are lifting their hand that do not have a relationship with you or have walked away from it, Lord, I declare that this is their moment of demarcation from the past and they are going to walk in the newness of light. Father God, that this is their confession of faith, of saying yes to you, Jesus, no to this world, no, no longer will it have power over them, and I thank you for that, Father God. Hallelujah. Sickness does not win. Disease does not win. Lack does not win. Poverty does not win. Depression does not win. Strife does not win. That's for somebody here. This thing that this this family strife that keeps trying to intimidate you, that's the devil, man. That is not look, don't fight flesh and blood. Deal with the real spiritual power behind it. That you don't have any authority over flesh and blood. You have authority over principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You command that, that ugly strife. Get out! Get out! I refuse you. You have no authority here. This is holy ground. My life is a holy life. Thank you, Father. And all God's people said, Hey, God bless you. Let's go walk in the authority. You're heading out into the mission field. If you want to be water baptized, just let me know. We'll make arrangements to get that taken care of. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day today. You want to be water baptized?